life and even business is more about your ability to tap into your own emotions and control them and keep them in balance and check and also keep your consumers, your customers, the people giving you money, keep connected to their emotions. And people who do that well, win. Just remember this, the less people who believe something can happen, the more opportunity for you. The more competitors, the less profit you'll make. That's why when people say, oh, Ty, all this stuff I see you posting looks like a scam. Like you have courses and things and are people actually making money? Because I see you saying this person made 50 grand a month and 20 grand a month. And oh, that seems like paid actors. I'm happy. You should be happy too. Less competitors, less suppliers, the more profit for you. Supply and demand. You don't need a college degree. You don't need an MBA to figure out supply and demand. And the demand's there. You know how many business owners want somebody to run their social media marketing for them, almost all business owners. Coca-Cola doesn't even know how to run, run their own Instagram. They got less followers than me, biggest brand in the world. They post once a week. They don't, they spend a billion dollars on marketing and they forget about social media. That's an opportunity for you. Maybe don't go after Coca-Cola as your biggest client or your first client, I should say, but sky's the limit. You might get a client like that one one day that pays you a million bucks to do their social media marketing. E-commerce, I've been telling people about. I mean, Black Friday had the biggest sales day online ever. Everything's going bankrupt. That stores, Sears is going bankrupt. American Apparel went bankrupt. JCPenney will be gone. Walmart's on the decline. Amazon's up. So the less people who believe what we're talking about, what you and I understand, be excited. I always tell people once in good conscience, I say, listen, here's an opportunity for you. And then if they shout back, oh, I don't believe you, prove it to me. I'm like, why would I prove it to you? Why would I create a competitor who has animosity and nothing but venom? I'm happy for you to stay in the status quo, my friend. Stay with what you're doing. Build your, open your little store, you know, brick and mortar store. In good conscience, I can say, I told people, they didn't listen. Real estate, bigger opportunities than ever. And there's going to be a recession here relatively soon. You can count on it. Capitalistic cycles go five to 10 years. Last one was 2008. It's coming right around the corner. Real estate will shift hands. I was listening to Jim Rohn and Jim Rohn goes, uh, he's a motivational speaker who died a long time ago, but amazing. If you want to hear something badass, listen to Jim Rohn's. He has a four hour YouTube video before he died. And he says, all the money in the world was spread out like a communist wanted to do, evenly. It'd go right back into the hands over 10 years. It'd go right back to the people who know how to manage it. Wealth moves around to those with skill, to those with acumen, to those with diligence, to those who think, to those who work hard and smart. And so when the recession comes, people still need a place to live. They still need a home. You think that's going to go away? You think people are going to stop needing real estate? No, but it's going to shift. And you could be one of those people who starts owning your whole block. You know, you could be the landlord and you could be a nice landlord. You don't have to exploit people. You can provide good housing and profit for yourself and a good deal for them. You don't have to be exploitative. That's not what this is about. There's plenty of money to go around. People will tell you there isn't. But they don't understand that GDP has gone up every single year for the last hundred years. The amount of money per person has gone up. I'm not saying the world's perfect. No, the least uh, exciting part of planet Earth is the amount of opportunity they, there is versus the amount of people who know how to take it. Take it. 
And in order to take it, I'm going to tell you three things you got to know. To take the upcoming opportunities, the disrupted industries, e-commerce, social media, real estate, and you to profit by it, and you to make a job out of it, and a career, and an income out of it, you're going to need three things. One, you're going to have to be able to see what other people can't see. When other people are skeptical, you got to... Jeff Bezos got on the e-commerce train in 2004. He's one of the first people ever. And look, he was rewarded with being the wealthiest person in the world. Same with Steve Jobs with computers. They all laughed at him. But that means there was no competitors and he just went in there. That's number one. You got to have that vision and that thick skin. Number two, you have to build some skill. You know, you got to build some skill. And most people have mentors or people who they kind of give them a boost and guide. Find somebody locally, find somebody online that can help you and cut the learning curve. Because if the learning curve takes too long, then other people come in and I'll take you too long. Even if you saw it first, other people will grab the opportunity before you. And then third, and last but not least, when you feel like giving up, remember the Chinese saying, the temptation to give up is greatest right before you're about to succeed. So when you start your little social media marketing agency or e-commerce or your entrepreneur venture or a side business while you keep your main job or your real estate investing or whatever it is you do, you're gonna encounter struggles. This ain't a get rich quick talk that I'm giving. You can get rich, but it rarely is quick and easy. But it happens, and sometimes it's easier than you think. It hasn't been as hard as I thought it would be. But that's not to say it hasn't been full of struggles. I mean, growing up, I thought it was impossible. <laughs> I never met a millionaire in my life. It's not impossible. But remember, the temptation to give up is greatest right before you're about to succeed. So get excited when things aren't working perfectly, because that means you're getting closer, my friend. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a very interesting thing how simple things like supply and demand get forgotten. Most people that ask me questions about business, it's always wanted to know some advanced funnel technique. And it's like, you know, some advanced technique to grow their Instagram or to do a Kickstarter campaign and raise capital but very few people just stick with the nitty gritty of supply and demand. And that rule has been around for centuries for a reason. Whenever you're going to do something, even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're just gonna, let's say, get a job, look at the supply versus demand. The number one reason you don't make money is there's an imbalance between supply and demand. Either you're supplying something that nobody's demanding or too many people are supplying what only a few people are demanding. If you launch an underwater basket weaving course and you become a supplier, 
Well, the problem is the entire global demand for underwater basket weaving is zero. So your supply, one, exceeds demand, zero. On the flip side, you know, if you just do e-commerce like everybody else and your site has no standout features, no brand appeal, no trust, it's not built around the 25 cognitive biases, well, guess what? You are appealing to demand, but there's a crazy amount of suppliers. And you, this, it's not just raw numbers. For example, Amazon is just one company, but they have 350 million SKUs. They're selling over 350 million different products. So technically, they are supplying over 350 million things. So it's hard to compete with Amazon. If you build a website that's, you know, like thenile.com, another river like Amazon, and you say, we're going to be the everything store and we're going to provide for every thing you need. Well, the problem is, how many people are buying online? <laughs> still not the whole world. A lot, especially in the Western world. But you still got a lot of stores and brick and mortar businesses. And if you go after that Amazon supply, well, they're supplying a lot of it. You know, there's not a demand for 10 Amazons out there. So you got to ask yourself, what makes my business differentiate? And the differentiation is something, again, it's one of those simple concepts that everybody, if you talk about it in, in an entrepreneur conference, everybody goes, oh, I already understand supply and demand. But do you really? And I would say the same when they're talking about uh, differentiation. Like, do you really? People think they're different because they dress different or they think they're different when their website has a different amazing logo. But I will tell you this, whether in business or life, dating, friendship, your career, job, networking, the question is, do you differentiate emotionally? Because at the end of the day, and the older I get, I've heard people once again say this simple truism that everything's emotion. Well, I always shook my head and was like, yeah, I can see that. But it's, it really is true. I mean, the reason, for example, we buy on Amazon it's not necessarily because we love Jeff Bezos. It's because, simple thing, the emotion of trust, one of the strongest of all emotions. We trust that when they say it's 10 bucks, that they're not gonna charge our card 20. We trust that if the product was bad, we could send it back and Amazon has the financial resources to send us a refund or, or a replacement. We trust that when they say it's gonna get there in one to three days, that it really does. So when you go to compete with Amazon, you may not be able to compete around trust, right? So you have to go after a different emotion. What other emotions could you go after? Well, a different emotion, for example, could be the emotion of sympathy, believe it or not. Hey, I just launched this website with my family. I quit my job. Buy from us because you'll be supporting another family out there and not just a big corporation. Believe it or not, there's a segment of the population, not all the demand, but there is a population segment that will go, heck yeah, I hate big corporations. I'll buy from this, tr this less trusted e-commerce website because I have sympathy. And sympathy is a powerful emotion, very powerful. Remember those commercials, they do, those charity commercials they would do in Africa with starving children? Well, they were appealing to the emotion of sympathy. How can you sit there watching this when there's a child who's starving right now, sympathize with them? And believe it or not, humans, that sympathy was so strong, they gave up 
the emotional pleasure of having money in their bank account and donated. So at the end of the day, the supply and demand game is also built around the emotion game. You will never be able to compete with an Amazon at first, with an Uber at first. But Lyft competed with Uber by having this fun experience. Lyft doesn't even do this anymore. You used to sit in the front seat. They were The drivers would like have a mustache and they had a little mustache on the car. They used the emotion of likability. That's one of the cognitive biases, liking bias. So they said, oh, why would you want to go in this corporate Uber where it's just plain, you know, blah, blah, when you could come with a fun ride experience? And Lyft is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar company, not an eight figure business, not a nine, not even a 10, but an 11 figure business. And Uber's what, 12 <laughs> potential. So there's always a place for you. You know, I was talking earlier about people not believing in what you're doing. Well, that's an emotion. And if you can control your emotions, like I said earlier, and stay tough, you win. That's why the problem with the school system is not just the 20 things I've named before in past videos, but it also doesn't speak to emotional EQ, emotional quotient. It can't just be IQ. Life and even business is more about your ability to tap into your own emotions and control them and keep them in balance and check and also keep your consumers, your customers, the people giving you money, tap in, keep connected to their emotions. And people who do that well win, you know, they win. And there's not anything in your life that you spend money on that you don't have an emotional connection with. Even sometimes there's an emotional connection to something you don't like, like the IRS. You have a financial connection to the tax man. And sometimes, like in a marriage, it's kind of like, ugh, I hate them, but they're a necessary evil. We have that in life. A lot of married couples, probably 20% of married couples see each other like that. But they're connected, and it's emotional. It's emotional. There's also emotional uh, reaction, relationship you have with the IRS and the tax man of fear. I don't want to have penalties. I don't want to go to prison for not paying my taxes. Master emotion. Start with mastering your own. And when I've been successful, it's when I've mastered my emotions. Alexander the Great said, there's only two types of people in this world. And there's one who master their fear and those who don't and suffer and die. That's how bluntly he put it. <laughs> suffer and die. And so you got to ask yourself, like, which one are you? You're going to be the suffer and die one? Or are you going to be the uh, one who rises above? By the way, I'm going vegan this month just to cut some weight. One of my friends plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, JaVale McGee, and I was talking to him, and he said, Ty, go vegan. It's a guaranteed way to lean up. He's seven foot tall, and he cuts down in the off-season like 245. He's in great shape. So anyway, I was heating up some food, if you heard that noise, some vegan food, some lentil pasta, <laughs> pasta made out of lentils. Dieting, that's another thing. Emotional quotient. What is your EQ? You know, most reason that people break their New Year's resolutions, break their diet, it's not a physical thing. Like people who are hungry and so they break their diet or eat junk food, your body was fine. Like 
there's people 200 pounds overweight that if they miss a meal are like starving. That's an emotional trick. Your mind is playing tricks on you. You're not, you could go up three weeks with no food and you'd be fine. And most food related issues are emotional at their core. So money and emotions, baby, they go hand in hand, hand in hand, hand in hand. And like I said, some people control their emotions and win. And most people don't. And I hope you'll be somebody who just looks today in the eye and go, what emotion am I building off? And what emotion is robbing me? And it's always those two things. You're either building or you're tearing down. That's like in Ecclesiastes, you know, the ancient Proverbs. It's like there's a time to build and there's a time to tear down. And those are the two times that are happening now, like today. Let's say we're talking about finances or social life or whatever, your job. It's like, did you go up or did you go down? And where people go wrong is they think it's going to be event-based. It's like, well, when I get my college degree, then my finances will get better. Well, I doubt it. There's a lot of science and statistics that we could argue both ways. People say, well, people who get college degrees make more money after they graduate. Well, they're also older and more experienced. (laughs) So what's the causation versus correlation? Sure, there's some boost from education, but I'm talking about formal education. Yes, you must be educated, but education comes from all sides. And so what I think really happens is that um, if you take, let's say, college or not, you learn to control your emotions. But do you really? A little bit, but there's no class on it. There's no mentorship. There's no shadowing people who are emotionally stable. And when I look back at my mentors, people like Joel Salatin and people like, uh, you know, Sam Chupp and Amish guy and Dr. David Buss and all these different mentors that I've had for long-term and people who I've learned from and just, you know, haven't been long-term mentors, but I've talked to and gotten to know like Mark Cuban and people like this, people I've interviewed and people that I've spent time around. What I notice is not just intelligence, which is usually there, almost always there, but I notice they're above average in their EQ. The way they handle themselves under pressure, the way they deal with fear, the way they deal with uncertainty. The average person, you know, they can't deal with uncertainty. Oh, I see that. It's like, if I quit my job, what's going to happen next? Well, all of life is uncertain. If you keep your job, you might get laid off or you might get run over by a truck. You know, it's like all of life is uncertain. So the question is not how do you eliminate uncertainty by keeping the job that you hate or dating someone you don't like or being depressed. The question is, like, how do you cope with life, the emotion, the continual daily emotion of uncertainty? All of life is uncertain. And some humans cope with it by tricking themselves and saying, oh, I've got a nice nine-to-five job and everything's taken care of and i got money in the bank account. But even then, it's uncertain. You can fall as fast as you rose. You know, there is very few things that are not certain. What's the old cliche? The only thing thing certain about life is death and taxes. Well, maybe not even taxes. Some people don't pay taxes. But death, yes. Mortality, yes. And so if you read great philosophers, they say all of our life is just, whether it's sex, reproduction, trying to get ahead, trying to achieve, wanting a PhD, wanting accolades and status, it's all just a way to cope with the uncertainty. 
that surrounds the certainty of death. And I'm not going to get too philosophical, but I will tell you. Sigmund Freud, you know, the first psychologist, the father of modern psychology in the brain, he said, you know, it's like we have this, what did he call it, the death impulse or something like this, and that all of life we're just coping. That's an emotional thing. So basically, not only your behavior, you're listening to this episode today because of some emotion that I evoke in you. Maybe it's trust, maybe it's dislike, maybe it's like, maybe it's curiosity, all these emotions. Maybe it's my voice brings you some motivation or it brings you some sense of security in an unsecure, insecure world. Mark my words, don't try to get away from uncertainty too much. That's one practical tip from this. Embrace the uncertainty. Great book I hope you've read on my recommended list is Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. And he says he's one of the most successful businessmen in history. Started Keller Williams, the largest residential real estate agency in the world. You know, very rich, very successful, happy guy, nice guy. Talked to him on the phone, did an interview with him. He's down in Texas. And I could hear in his voice, this is a man who succeeded because... He was, as he said in his book, able to embrace the chaos emotionally. Because as you build and as you rise, everything changes. Your friends change. Your income, what to do with the money changes. How people treat you change. And a lot of people freak out and self-destruct. But those who have EQ, emotional quotient, emotional IQ, they're able to cope with that chaos and cope with it and just say, well, just another day as a human. Can't get away from it. By trying to become more certain, you just become more certain of what? Well, as Thoreau said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What's called resignation is confirmed desperation. So you, yes, you can just say, I'm going to confirm my desperation. Don't do that. Get excited about the uncertainty. Because in the uncertainty, it's kind of like Vegas. When the, when the, the roll of the dice sometimes brings wealth. Sometimes it brings good things. It's not Uncertainty doesn't always bring bad. Imagine a life with no uncertainty. And when I see people lash out at my videos and say, that's not possible, it's because of uncertainty. They don't know how to cope with uncertainty that maybe they're doing the wrong thing. Maybe everything they've been taught by the school system and their parents was wrong. Maybe they could make more money. So get emotionally smart, get excited. Don't give up on the simple principles, supply and demand. Don't give up on the simple principles like emotional stability. Stick with the simple stuff and you will go far. Anyway, talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. 
One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.